I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to The Melancholy Condition. Welcome to Season 2. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free ridiculously easy to use and now anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast and that means you can get paid to podcast right away in fact that's what i'm doing right now by reading this ad the reason why i love anchor is just because it's easy it's simple it's on my phone i don't use any exterior hardware i don't gotta do anything really but just pick up my phone open the anchor app press record invite my guests and boom you have the melancholic condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. Three, two, and we're live. Awesome. Welcome back to another episode of the Melancholy Condition. As always, I'm your host, Darius Vlaskis, and I have the wonderful Mary Jo. Do you want me to go ahead and pronounce your last name? Joe Van Horn, right? Correct. Awesome. Awesome. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Mary. Or is it Mary Jo? Sorry. Yep, Mary Jo. Mary Jo, awesome. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay. Hi, I am Mary Jo Van Horn, a life coach here in Bismarck, North Dakota. North Dakota, huh? Awesome. Kind of tell us a little bit about um, your background, I guess. Sure. Well, I am a media expert turned life coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Media. And yeah, my I started my career in media and advertising. Okay. And after about 10 years or 20 years, I went out on my own, started my own media buying company, and it was a fast success. And about five years into that, I co-founded a second uh, media software company, and that one wasn't a success. Um, and just kind of from the, let's say, the perceived failure of that, and how I uh, struggled with all of that is what brought me to just a completely new perspective on life and a, a whole new body of work, mm-hmm. which led me to, you know, transition into being a life coach. Okay. So that media experience kind of helped you leverage your own personal career, correct? Correct. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been thinking about too, because I actually had my own little social media marketing agency for a minute um did some online advertising with snapchat facebook twitter and instagram kind of started doing some web development stuff took a wrong turn by partnering with someone here locally and it kind of just went south from there but i have been thinking a lot of like personal branding stuff getting that started so i always think about you know i got this in my back pocket to kind of help with that leverage it out Right. Mm-hmm. So it just it's always just something that's on in the back of the back of the shelves, I guess. Right. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of inform the listeners on what we're here to talk about today. Okay. Well, what I'm here to talk about today, um, and and I, I love the work that you do that you're doing, Darius, because um, I mean I believe that our emotions are everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talk about. Um, and a lot of people, right, it is just uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, 
to talk about their emotions, but I think it is what the world needs. And especially our kids, mm -hmm. right? We have to start teaching as adults. We have to start teaching and perhaps learning it for ourselves, how to process our emotions from a place of love and compassion so that then we can model that and teach that to our kids. Mm, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think? I mean, so something that I've kind of brought up in the past, um, in past episodes mm -hmm. is um, like, do you pay any attention to gut flora? No, no. Okay. So, so I think it might've been Plato or Socrates that brought this up okay. um, saying that the gut flora, if your stomach bacteria, like if you're not taking proper probiotics or something mm -hmm. along the lines of that, um, that if it's imbalanced, that it can directly affect your mood and your mental health. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, do you, whenever it comes to talking about, you know, our feelings and personal development and how we're handling certain situations, do you take into fact of like a lot of people's um, physical health? Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, believe that every dis-ease or ache and pain, um, what have you physically, Mm -hmm. manifest first from our thoughts. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. And what I, I teach is like, you know, cause for most of us, when, you know, we are in emotional pain, mm -hmm. we're stressed out, right. We usually feel it somewhere in our body. Okay. Yeah. What, what I always teach and... is that that's your body's way of sending a message to your brain that you're thinking untrue thoughts. So whether it's thoughts, wow. you know, self-criticizing mm -hmm. thoughts and, and the work that I teach is all about limiting beliefs. So like headaches, muscle cramps, things like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So kind of digress on that. Where did you get this? I mean, I don't want to call it a theory, right? But where did you get this um, realization? Okay. It was just through, it took me several years of, you know, working with coaches and, you know, finally reaching out and actually asking for help. Okay. Um, and then allowing myself to receive it, mm -hmm. you know, it was mm -hmm. kind of the second piece. And, you know, I, when I had kind of hit my rock bottom, um, you know, I, I finally did admit um, that I didn't have all the answers mm. and that, yeah, perhaps I do need some help. And so I did start, you know, reaching out to, coaches. And, and for me, I thought like I needed help with my business. Um, okay. And as I went along, one of the biggest, most powerful lessons I learned was that, you know, pretty much 95% of what we think is a business problem or perhaps mm -hmm. a career problem is really a personal problem. In yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, there was a quote that I read probably early last Oh, it's probably been about a year since I've read it, but I remember it very distinctively. It was um, a lot of people like business owners, their problems in business generally are a personal reflection of their life. So yes. whatever it is that they're dealing with in business, majority of the time is because there's this underlying issue that they haven't dealt with that's manifesting into their business. Yes. And what I learned most recently was you know, that, that underlying issue is mostly subconscious. And How so? Like, it, like, 
digress on that for a minute. Yeah, because it is what I call your limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, we create in childhood. Okay. Okay. So whenever, you know, as kids, when something bad happens, like, you know, emotionally, um, that we don't understand, as kids, we will make up something about ourselves in order to make sense of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance, now, I love my mom, and she loves me, but I, this was my experience. Growing up, my mom yelled a lot. Okay. And so, you know, as kids, it's like, it's hard to understand why someone that you love and that you know loves you, you know, why do they yell at you? Why do they say such mean things? Of course. So your first reaction is to kind of justify it, right? Yeah. So in order to make sense of it, you know, I made up, well, it must be my fault, right? It must be because I'm, and for me, you know, my mom's kind of go-to phrase was, haven't you got a goddamn brain in your head? Oh, and so for me, right, it, you know, I, subconsciously, what happened is I created that belief that I wasn't smart enough, right? And I and think so- that's a lot of, that <laughs> happens very often, especially in children. And, you know, I did, I kind yeah. of brought this up in one of my old podcasts, but I bring this up a lot, actually. There is um, a study by a Japanese, I think, philosopher or doctor about the study of how words affect water molecules. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Yes. Okay. So Dr. Is it Esimoto talked about the um, how they would take water samples and do prayers over them. And whenever they mm-hmm. freeze them, the water molecules would look a little bit different than the other ones. So certain things mm-hmm. that were being told hateful words, their yeah. molecules came out very jagged. Um, the yeah. ones that had prayers, their molecules came out very like symmetrical and perfect. So my yeah. theory after studying that was that the words that you tell people and project upon people kind of manifest the truth. So like whenever people are raising kids and they say, you know, you're stupid. Are you stupid? Mm -hmm. Like, why Mm -hmm. would you do that? Are you dumb? It kind of like makes them become a little less intelligent. It kind of projects this like, like insecurity of being smart onto them or even like in relationships. So like if someone were to tell you like, Oh, I don't feel like you love me after hearing that enough times, maybe they start to think like, well, maybe I don't love this person, even though in their own head, like they know, they know, you know what I mean? I love you. And I know there's no one else that I'd rather have in this world, but every single time something gets to this critical point, you tell me that, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't, maybe you don't love me or you don't care about me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like a very self-destructive. Yes. Because you take, you take on that belief then that you're unlovable. Yes. Yeah. And the tricky part is that it, it is, you know, mostly, if not totally subconscious, you know, and okay. for me, what happened was, you know, and this is what we do as we grow older, we set out to prove to the world that that's not true. Right. So mm. that belief, whichever one kind of gets validated over and over and over, you know, the ones that get validate the, validated the most become your, you know, your limiting beliefs. And you just carry them with you. But as you get older, you set out to the world to prove that they're not true. But subconsciously, you believe that they are. And I believe that's what it causes that internal conflict. 
That's like, dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it showed up like for me, you know, if somebody would have told me back then, you know, well, you don't believe you're smart. I would have said, no, that's not true. I am smart. Look, I got straight A's, right? That, mm-hmm. So that was my way of proving. I made sure that I got really, really good grades. And, you know, when I went to college and I struggled with grades, that was absolutely devastating to me. And did you have like any second thoughts of like, oh, maybe this person's right. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not smart. Maybe I'm, you know what I mean? Oh, become a self-destructive thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because that's what happens. Right. So because our, you know, our our actions will line up with our, you know, with what we believe to be true for us, whether we are aware of those beliefs or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I did go to college and I, you know, went out for the, the women's basketball team, which I loved playing basketball. Now, now this was back in, you know, the late seventies. And it wasn't quite nearly as competitive as it is now. But I loved playing basketball. But when midterms came out, yeah. like I, I wasn't passing, you know, or I was just barely passing. And I remember I went to the head basketball coach and I told her, I don't know, you know, if, if I can, you know, stay in basketball. You know, the season hadn't yet started, but it was, it was very close to starting and we were still just practicing. And yeah. I said, you know, because I think, you know, I, I need to spend more time studying to get my grades up. And she said to me, Mary Jo, she said, you know, we're going to announce this next week, but I want you to know you've made the traveling team. You're going to see play. We want you on the team. Here's what I'll do for you. I'll get you set up with a tutor. And I, and I still remember the day. I still remember what that little coach's room looked like. And I remember that feeling of, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I don't need a tutor, you know, because really? me that, right, that so validated. It didn't, it didn't come across to you as like a helping hand. It kind of came across as like demeaning. Yes. Right. Because wow. that just validated that I wasn't smart enough. Uh-huh. And I remember leaving that office and saying, I will quit before I, you know, have to have a tutor. And I did. Right. Really? Yes. And so I gave up something I absolutely loved because of that limiting belief that I wasn't smart enough mm-hmm. and I didn't deserve help, right? I didn't deserve support. That was another limiting belief that nobody was going to be there to support me. And so that, right. So, so do you see how that limiting belief yeah. just affected my thinking, right? My thoughts, which then influenced my emotions Right, which then influenced that action. And I, very... I see that throughout my career, like the, you know, the different opportunities. And, you know, when you get emotionally triggered, right, you, you go somewhere, right? You go back mm-hmm. to, that, to that limiting belief, you know, that you created in childhood. But the, the tricky part is it's, sub, it's subconscious because you know, we, we try to prove that it's not true, but yet subconsciously we carry it as true. And I think that's where we run into stress. That's where stress comes from, is the conflict. Does that make sense, Darius? No, 100%, 100%. So I guess my question is, is like, 
what do we do about this thing? Like we're, we're, we get so emotionally involved in our mm-hmm. own head to where we start. That's where I think anxiety comes from the most, ah, right? Absolutely. You get so much emotion attached to something or the, the, um, the future of something mm-hmm. or maybe even the outcome of something. Mm-hmm. It can be an event, it can be in a relationship. It can be anything. It can be a job interview. We get so caught up with how this thing might happen and how it might play out. Yeah. And is it going to play out to how I think it's going to play out? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? And we kind of start predicating on these like, okay, well, I'm stressed out about this job interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to try my best. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking that this thing is going to fall out. So eventually what kind of happens is you don't give that interview your best. Right. And you, you know what I mean? Yes. So what do we do about these like self-predications that are manifesting our reality? Yes. Well, that's the exciting thing. Because once I, you know, became aware of, you know, the, you know, these limiting beliefs, you know, my, my whole world changed, but then, you know, the next question was, okay, so how do I release them? Right. Yeah. So I can help people, um, become aware of them, you know, just by, you know, guiding them back a little bit through those childhood experiences that didn't feel good, you know, uh-huh. from a place of love and compassion. And I think that's one key is that so so many people, like when we think about our childhood experiences that didn't feel good, we want to ignore them, dismiss them, sweep them under the rug, anything but like talk about them and, and remember them. Yeah. But, you know, if you can go back to those experiences from a place of love and compassion and see those experiences and how you felt and those thoughts you know, you thought about yourself, the words you told yourself about yourself, and you look at those as, you know, like treasure, right? Like just yeah. gifts, okay. gifts of treasure or treasure boxes, just waiting to be open because they hold the key, you know, right to your limiting beliefs. And once you become aware of them and how to release them, that's what like opens up room for what you want instead. Mm-hmm. Because when we carry those limiting beliefs and we carry the stress and the worry and the indecision and the resentment, you know, bitterness, anger, right? You know, we're just like a computer hard drive. We only have so much room. And so in order to bring something new in, like in order to bring in what we want, we have to release what we don't want, mm-hmm. right? To make room. Absolutely. And, yeah. And so, and I think that's the biggest part is, is in the release then comes, you know, knowing consciously that those limiting beliefs are not true. So how do you, okay, cause I feel like, and this is a personal um, perception. Mm-hmm. If I'm in, if I'm incorrect, please correct me. Cause I don't know a lot about this, but mm-hmm. I am assuming at least that for some people, maybe do you really do you think it's like absolutely healthy for everybody to revisit these traumatic experiences because i know i mean maybe this is just too much tv right but you know you'd see where on tv where like the therapist or psychiatrist makes the say they set the mood of the room and they make their client kind of revisit they close their eyes set back Mm -hmm. and kind of revisit the the scenario revisit the traumatic event Mm -hmm. and then one of two things happens either they get past it or they start dwelling on it and it 
manifests into their their normal life now is that because of the emotional attachment to the event and they can't see past it or is it because like that maybe there's just some loose wires i think it could be both of those reasons i do think for some people it there's um a, a deeper issue mm-hmm. you know like as, as you referred to with the loose wires right and yeah, maybe yeah. some um what is it you know imbalances Um, But for a lot of people, it really is just understanding, you know, that belief that they created. Um, I worked with a gal a few months ago who, when she came to me, she wanted to know why she would bring on more projects, take on multiple jobs when she didn't need the money and, and why she would bring on more and more and more onto her plate until she would get so stressed out that she would be physically sick. And then when she was physically sick, she would reluctantly let some things go mm-hmm. until she started feeling better. And then she'd bring it right back on. She knew she was doing it, but yet she couldn't stop. And she had been going to um, a counselor for two years. And mm-hmm. I'm not bashing counselors in any way because there are some really good counselors out there doing great work. But for her, she, she had a sense. It, it was tied to her childhood. And the particular counselor she was seeing kept saying, you know what, you just got to get, you just got to let that go. You just got to, you know, move on from your childhood. Quit dredging that up. And let's mm-hmm. just move forward as the adult that you are today. But within the first session with me, where we went back to her childhood and she realized, right, that from those experiences, she just started, you know, to believe and she saw how her sense of self-worth just went downhill, right? And, And that's what she would tell herself. It must be because I mean, her folks, they moved from the farm, which she loved into the city, which she didn't like. And, you know, in, as a six-year-old, in order to make sense of it, she said, it somehow must be my fault and I am being punished, right? When her dad, when her parents divorced, she took that mm-hmm. on as, well, this again, must be some kind of punishment for me. Wow. And then when yeah. her dad, you know, she chose to live with her dad, Her dad ended up very shortly after that being diagnosed with cancer and within a year, I believe, died from cancer. And she took that on as her being punished. Right. And just neat. And she just, you know, threw herself into her into work, even as a as a tween, right? As a teenager, just so, you know, to not have to think about, you know, Mm. her thoughts really, and to just prove that she didn't need anybody. Right, because everybody, everything she loves, she loses. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it? And this is, uh, I, I'm not trying to be marginalistic here. Sure. But is it more of a thing that women do in those no. scenarios? Whenever high stressful things happen, you tend to blame yourself and kind of say, oh, "Well, it's my fault because of this." I, because I've had a lot of different scenarios, mm-hmm. even in my own personal life, where the women close to me have like they didn't really take a step back to logistically say like, what are all the components here? They kind Mm -hmm. of just immediately was like, well, this happened because I, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. or this happened to be, you know what I mean? So is that like, is that a woman thing or is that something that just happens to certain people? No, I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, a child thing. Okay. Because as okay. kids, right, our brain, our brains aren't developed enough. Yeah, of course. That's what's really going on. That's why we make up something in order to make sense of it. Because if we can't make sense of it, just more coping mechanisms. Yeah, because if we can't make sense of something, our whole world falls apart. Yeah, and so we just and I have worked. I do work with more women right now than men, but the men Mm. that I've worked with, it's the same thing. It may be different circumstances. Okay. But it's the same thing. It's the same type of like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to say victimizing kind of personality, but it's like they're blaming themselves for the situation at hand without realizing like, you know, you can't control your father's cancer. Right. You didn't impose that onto him. Right. But as a 12 okay. year old, you, you, you can't make. Yeah, sense. of course. Of course. As a 12, I mean, 12 year kids don't know anything up until like, even I think about some of the things that I used to tell my friends back when I was like 15, 16 years old. And I'm like, like disgusted. Like, why would I say something? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, and also another thing that I kind of wanted to bring on is dial back to, you know, talking about the therapists or psychiatrists, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them. Um, so it's been a while, but I used to smoke a lot of weed. And I used to sit with my friends and we just theorize about things. Mm -hmm. We would just talk and talk and talk. And I have the kind of friends that aren't really scared of anything. Like they'll just, if they have something to say, they're going to say it. So we were talking about some of our personal issues and my friends like, you know, dude, I think I'm starting to go crazy. Like I start seeing this and this in life and everything. These synchronicities are just making me feel weird because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like I'm not in a real world. And of course we were under the influence and I started um, thinking like, you know, I was like, do you think that there's a possibility a psychiatrist could help you get through these things? And something that he told me was like, I don't trust psychiatrists whatsoever because I feel like regardless of the input that they're going to give you about the situation, they're going to add a perspective that's going to make you question your whole reality. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was kind of diving in on the fact of like, yes, this person's going to give you solace about a situation, but they're also going to blame you for something. Like, this is the reason why you're doing this. And it's going to be something that you've never even thought about before. So it's going to give you a a stronger imposition of anxiety. It's going to give you a stronger sense of insecurity. Mm. Yeah, because and for that particular guy, that gentleman, Mm -hmm. right? So he definitely has a fear, you know, of being blamed for something. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to get blamed. And so I would bet as he if he were to look back at some of his childhood experiences, there was, there was, you know, a a strong, or I, you know, that got validated a lot that somehow it's his fault. He's getting blamed Mm. and that didn't feel good. Yeah. And so I don't, right. And so his actions, right. Are uh, supporting, I don't want to get blamed. And so if I don't go see a psychiatrist, I won't get blamed for something. So, do you think that like in those scenarios, like, is it wrong for people to feel that way? Or should they, oh. should people kind of sit back and realize like, well, if there's something that maybe I wasn't doing right, maybe I should just come to terms with that and try to mm-hmm. go forward from this point on, on fixing that. Right. And I'd, I'd say the first thing to do is lose the language around right or wrong. Mm. Right. Cause it's, it's not right or wrong. It yeah. is what it was based on your experiences. 
as a as a kid whose brain is not fully developed yeah of course so it is it is what it it you know it was what it was it is what it is and then that's where this coming from a place of love and compassion it's why that is so critical and so So how do you how can you instill this into someone that's logistic and less sympathetic someone that's having an issue with the sure it's easy to understand someone's pain right like okay i understand why you're feeling that way mm-hmm. but to actually feel the pain themselves and to sympathize with whatever's going on say they're causing or not they're causing say that they're having an issue with maybe imposing feelings onto other people not necessarily on purpose but maybe because they just aren't reciprocating correctly. Okay. So, yeah. So their perception might be that they are causing other people pain. Yeah. Emotional pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they can't sympathize with it. Because I know, I mean, I have a personal issue where sometimes the things I do Mm -hmm. really hurt people's feelings Mm -hmm. and I can't logistically think like why would that hurt your feelings I don't understand like why is that something to get mad about you know what I mean so how actually Darius in that I mean you cannot control what anybody else thinks says or does Mm -hmm. so you really are not making anybody feel anything they are choosing that for themselves so with that scenario okay so say Mm -hmm. something like um, I say something to someone and it hurts their feelings and they're upset about it. I understand they're upset about it. And then the week later, I accidentally do it again in a different manner, but it's still the same basis of they got mad about it or they were upset about one of my actions. Mm-hmm. So now I'm conflicted with like, okay, what am I doing? I need an, ex- you know what I mean? What, what, what is it that I'm doing that's making you feel this way all the time? Right. How do you sympathize with someone like that like how do you teach that i guess well part of well part of that is knowing you know is so owning your part in it mm-hmm. and so it is, would be perhaps to have that conversation so what you know when i said you know such and such you know what did you hear mm. okay right? because so it's really about more the about them than it is about you in in that case when somebody is upset with what you said um and you don't you in your intention you know wasn't to upset them um you're right so it really is what are they hearing what are they telling themselves you know consciously or subconsciously about themselves because if they're Mm -hmm. getting emotionally triggered by something you said what you said is taking them back right to some to that childhood, you know, experience or validation that they're not enough. Yeah. Okay. Does that so you sense? basically it just kind of comes back to redirecting the translation? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah, and part of that is right. So and so you being open and saying, you know, what did you hear? That wasn't my intention. What what did you hear me saying? And, and for you to also know that, right, you cannot control what somebody mm-hmm. else thinks, says, or does. Mm-hmm. But if you just stay in the emotions that you want to feel, right, so in the, you stay in the emotions of kindness, respect, compassion, um, you know, love, joy, whatever that may be, yeah, mm-hmm. then 
it's it's really is up to that other person to do their work huh okay that, right because they are you know staying stuck in something so still it kind of boils down to a communication yeah. and kind of effort to getting past the scenario yes with compassion okay right with yeah of course, respect, of course with compassion mm-hmm. so in the sense say like i don't know so one of the listeners has a friend or maybe it's something that they're dealing with in their own mm-hmm. that they keep resorting back to this scenario where they're feeling a certain way and it's starting to control the aspects of their life that they really didn't want it to control. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them? The best advice I would give them is to do some work around their limiting beliefs. Right. And, and the tricky part is, is that, you know, that it is subconscious, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a body of work that helps people with that. Um, And I do think more and more people are, are talking about, you know, limiting beliefs are talking about our emotions um, and, and to just, you know, create that safe place, either, you know, invest in somebody to help you or just create that safe place for yourself and, and start asking yourself, what am I thinking right now? Now I'm, I'm triggered. I know I'm triggered. What am I thinking? Right. What mm, are the actual okay. thoughts? Where am I going with my thoughts? And it will always, always take you to, well, that I'm, you know, I, I hate that, you know, this person does this. So that might be resentment, right? Mm-hmm. It might be anger. It might be insecurity, right? So, you know, if you're, you know, you got emotionally triggered and your first thought is, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for that bag of chips or for that pint of ice cream and you're not hungry, right? Just stop and think, okay, what is really going on? Because mm. what am I really thinking, right? Because, you know, when we don't want to feel what we're feeling, you know, we'll take action to numb it right? Or get distracted. I mean, to me, that's what addiction is all about. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, something that you had mentioned was um, kind of catching yourself in this moment of high levels of stress, right? Mm -hmm. So um, someone that I had on the first season of this or the first episode of this season was Lori Scoblionko. Um, she's a stress life coach and she talks about dealing with these types of emotional inflictions and how to, excuse me, how to catch them in the moment. So something that she kind of suggested was to like, whenever you're feeling a certain way, if it's stress, if it's anxiety, if it's depression to kind of just catch yourself. And instead of thinking about the situation, kind of just, putting yourself in a realization like okay here i am this is who i am this is what's happening and then she said something along the lines of like to focus on your feet to focus on something whatever's happening just real quick Mm -hmm. to calm yourself down to focus on something other than the immediate problem so she says focus on your feet and then kind of it was like a relaxation exercise now um yeah with these types of exercises do you believe in the power of like affirmations i do very much but i believe that the reason that affirmations don't work for people Mm -hmm. if people feel that they don't work is because 
of their limiting beliefs, right? That are subconscious. Because they think it's like silly, right? Right. Well, they think it's silly or it just doesn't work. And it just doesn't work in that case because your actions will always line up with what you believe to be true for you. So if you're carrying that limiting belief that I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not pretty enough, you can say affirmations, you know, until you're blue in the face. But right. Mm -hmm. But if you're really carrying that you're not enough as true for you, right, your actions are either going to immediately or eventually line up with that. Right. That's what self-sabotage is all about. Yeah. It's disguised as logic. And I think that's where so many people get caught up. Right. Because then they're going to say, well, I've got this opportunity, but right. And then all these logical reasons come in why it's not going to work or why they can't do it right now, why they don't have time, why they can't afford it. But it's really, it's- So is logic always a bad thing? Or is there like, is it okay to have those thoughts? Like, don't you think that that's kind of maybe a certain like, I mean, it it is a guard. It is a wall that we kind of throw up, right? It's an insecurity thing. Yes. But some logic is kind of necessary. Oh, absolutely. But what I I want to help people- be able to live from is a place uh-huh. of those beliefs that are true for you, right? Uh, so your logic is lining yeah. up with what's true for you versus what's not true for you. Rather than the negative. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh, so, um, something that there was something that you brought up and I was going to relate it to something that I read in a book. Um, I'd say I've been doing this a lot lately, just the every, all my guests that I've been having on, they've been talking about a lot of powerful things and I'll typically relate it to something that I've read before, just so I can kind of have a better understanding of it. Sure. But I mean, it, it's, it sounds like, at least to me, that a lot of people limit themselves based on, I mean, is it always child development or is it maybe like something that they experienced that just went wrong that they didn't have the proper tools to handle mm-hmm. yeah okay I mean, and i think that's like that's usually what happens in childhood you know when things don't feel good whether it's like for me like why is why is my mom whom i love and who loves me why is she yelling at me yeah you know why is you know one day she yells at me for dropping a plate on the floor the next day she doesn't right it mm. doesn't make sense Um, And in this day and age, you know, I was born in in 1959. Well, in this day and age, though, like with these kids growing up with parents getting divorced. Yeah. You know, and and blended families that don't get along. I mean, there's so many things, right? Most adults don't understand why they're getting divorced or what happened. And yet, you know, these kids are living it from a place where their brains aren't fully developed. I mean, they just don't have the capacity to truly understand it. So I think they very much are creating these limiting beliefs. At 21 years old, I mean, I'm 21 now, but Mm -hmm. as a kid, I mean, that's something that I went through, you know, my mom and my, I didn't know my real dad. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I was in third grade, my mom kind of pulled me aside and was like, Hey, look, this guy that you think is your dad isn't like, it's someone else. Yeah. And then 
the rest, like I had to realize that. And then for the rest of like my childhood, I watched my mom and my little brother's dad split up like eight times. They'd divorce and remarry and divorce and remarry. There'd be restraining orders thrown into the mix. Mm-hmm. And so like everything that I've experienced, you know, I'm a different kind of human. I like to think of myself as more logistic because I'll look at all these things and be like, okay, well, what's the seriousness behind this? Why is this happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I've gotten up to where I question everything. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't really think that I've, you know, gone as far as, limiting myself because there's a lot that i've um experienced in life i guess you could say Mm -hmm. but there is some things in like my personal relationships like with my girlfriend yeah um which i'm not even you know we have our own personal issues we all Mm -hmm. have our we have our own issues that we face as a couple Mm -hmm. and there's some things that will happen that like for instance she might say something that triggers something in me like hold on this this reminds me of whenever my dad used to beat the yep. shit out of me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and it, and it would freak me out and then I get anxiety and then I shut down yep. and then it starts an argument later because I didn't re- respond the right way. Yes. So it's like, I understand where you're coming from with that. At the same time, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Is there a, I don't know how to word it. I feel like there's a certain strength that some people develop after being experienced to all these things, after being shown everything that, you know, that causes a traumatic event, that causes yes. insecurities. I think there's two different types of people in the way that you respond to it. Sure, everything and everybody has something that triggers them, right? The, at least one thing that's yes. going to cause them to shut down and become less of a person. Yeah. But I think there's certain people that respond to it a different way. Like, yeah. there's some people that become very, very successful because of something like that. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and that's the part where, right, where they try to prove that it's not true. And so it, and it kind of depends on, you know, your definition of success. And I think yeah. that's why workaholics get glorified. Uh, right. Okay. And why, you know, it's, and if you, I've had people say, you know, when they ask for advice for, you know, they're uh, a family member or a neighbor or friends. And I'll say, well, it, it sounds like a self-worth issue to me. And they'll say, oh, no, no, no. They are so financially successful and they are living in this beautiful home and they have, right? And so they tend to think that if somebody has money, right, then they're all good. That means they're, they value themselves. Yes, yes. Mm. And so, so, and I, and I think there's different levels, you know, I, I'm one that believes, you know, we are, we come into our lifetime and each lifetime, you know, with the purpose of learning. Um, -hmm. And so depending on where you're at in your journey of lifetimes and, and what you've learned in each lifetime, I think, you know, essentially the goal is to, is to elevate. Yeah. As you go through life. And as so, in, in fact, I did have a client um, not too long ago say to me, um, you know, I'm just wondering if instead of me teaching my my kids about this, shouldn't they just learn the hard way? I mean, shouldn't they have problems? Shouldn't I just allow them to have problems so they can, you know, understand the difference between, you know, uh, feeling worthless and feeling worthy. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and my answer to that was what I would like to see for our kids in this world, instead of 
you know, for instance, and this is um, definitely an example, it may be slightly exaggerated just to get the point across. But so instead of a kid, you know, worrying about, am I going to eat this weekend? Is there going to be food at home this weekend? Mm-hmm. Maybe instead of having that challenge, his challenge might be, are all of my friends going to have food this weekend? Like mm-hmm. I have food, but I want to make sure all of my friends have food. And, and that that is like something that isn't okay with him. That yeah. doesn't feel good for him to know that, you know, he's got friends or he's got people in his community or in his state or in the world that are going hungry all weekend. Yeah. And that's a problem for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. Um, what is, I guess, some advice you can give someone that's kind of, they catch themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You catch yourself resorting to this, like, and then you start questioning, like, why do I always tell myself that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's easy to degrade yourself when you're in a bad mood, but when you're in a good mood, you kind of look back at it and you're just like, hold on, that's not healthy. Like, right. everybody, I, I'm sure at least every grown, more immature, developed person is going to have some points of reflection of like, okay, I do this thing that isn't the best, but I don't know how to deal with it. So if there's any of my listeners right now that's kind of facing this issue, especially with a large of the audience being, you know, I assume probably in the 20s and 30s, Mm -hmm. maybe some early teens, they're catching themselves like, you know, maybe I I do do that thing where I look at the mirror and I tell myself I'm I'm fat or I don't look good enough or or I, I stop myself from you know, speaking to people in public because I don't want someone to think I'm dumb. You yeah. know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't study as much as I could be because, you know, I'm not gonna be a good student anyway. So I'm already not I'm already doing the best I can. There's no need to better you know what I mean? Yes. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah. So what kind of advice would you kind of give someone with that self deprecation? Okay. So the the first bit of advice to to go it on your you know on your own would be to take some time just quiet time and and give yourself some love and just ask yourself you know what am i thinking what are those thoughts the and and that's the best way to start if you're you know just want to do this on your own mm-hmm. um another way is um you know the work that i do i've got different level of programs in fact one um that is just like an audio uh program that talks you through you know and just guides you through with you know from a place of love and compassion what some of those childhood experiences might have been what are some of those phrases that you might have heard over and over right where where are what are those thoughts that you know you just take on as true and then to just, you know, really be okay with that is the way that it was. And there's nothing wrong with you. You are not alone. It is not your fault. But then moving forward, just like see that as, you know, a piece of treasure and to see it as not true. Mm-hmm. Right. Then exactly. I think that's where you really have to make that shift consciously then say, I consciously know that's not true. And if, and if you really, and I have had clients say to me, growing men and women say to me, you know, when I say to them, you know, do you, can you see at least on some level that your sense that you are worthless or your belief that you are worthless is not true? 
And I have had some say, I don't, I don't, I can't say that Mary Jo, I, I really believe that I'm worthless. And so then the work, you know, becomes about shifting that belief. But for, you know, because, you know, because you can be aware of it, but if you don't do anything about it, it. to know and not do is the same as to not know, you know, so just Mm. to become aware is the first step. And then, you know, understand that it is not true. And then, you know, and in that, right, the truth will set you free. So then you're able to release it and I have a powerful meditation you know that helps people release their limiting beliefs and I have that available right now those two audio programs for $47 cool so share share where yeah. to get that from. so that would be on my website maryjovanhorn.com m-a-r-y-j-o-v as in victor a-n-h-o-r-n.com MaryJoVanHorn.com. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So with with the um, before diving into that, like the meditation and stuff mm-hmm. like that, for those that have never tried it before, because I know before I started getting like really into myself and really understanding, you know, how much my mind actually has a play into things, my yeah. mood, how I eat, my appetite, yeah, you know, my anxiety, everything. Mm-hmm before I started getting into that, I was, I, I thought meditation was kind of floozy, right? I, I was scared to sit down in a quiet room, be by myself with my thoughts, because that's something that's scary. Cause you yeah. know, and you recognize your thoughts as something that's self-destructive. Yeah. So why would you want to sit down with it? Yeah. What would you, what kind of advice do you think maybe, you know, you can get people to kind of start being okay with being alone, being quiet and finding this peace that you can kind of sit down and hold on take a step back. What's going on here? Yes. Um, What I want to say to you is that it is in your thoughts is the answer. And you deserve to know the truth of who you are. And Mm. the truth of who you are is that you are deserving of all abundance just because you were born. And when I say abundance, I mean abundant support, abundant love, abundant joy, and abundance of self-worth, self-respect, and self-love. That's good. And so to go in like, you know, and to really have that mindset. And, and, you know, for some people that is hard. And and I think a good place to start, and for me, this is where I started, was looking in the mirror and looking myself in the eye in the mirror and saying, I love you. And I'll tell mm. you, Darius, when I first started doing that, I couldn't say it. Why? I didn't what, what was holding it. you back? You didn't, you didn't believe it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because my thoughts when I looked in the mirror at that time was, you know, and I was in my mid-50s, maybe close to mm-hmm. 57. And I, my thoughts were, how did you get so ugly? Or when did you get so ugly? Really? Mm-hmm. And I think for tweens and teens, right, that self-image is incredibly important. And so when you can look yourself in the eye and just, you know, and whatever comes up, just, you know, just accept it, but with Mm -hmm. love. And, you know, and if what comes back to you doesn't feel good, just give yourself in love and say some love and say, I'm going to try again tomorrow or I'm going to try again later. 
Yeah. But right. That's the first thing we have to shift away from this, you know, self criticism and self-hatred, self-loathing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that self-loathing. And, and I think that's where parents as, I mean, as a group, as a segment of the population, <laughs> I think parents could be the most powerful segment in the world mm-hmm. if they would learn this for themselves. Mm. Right. And that's you what think I'm that on a becomes like a do. projection onto their kids. Yes. Wow. Okay. And I, have I mean, so and that many. makes sense a lot because a lot of people end up developing their parents' habits subconsciously, Absolutely. not because that's who they are, but it's because that, like, it's something that they saw often. It's something yeah. that they became okay with. It's something that they didn't know anything other. Like, for instance, um, a popular statistic is like abusive men. And like um, in my family, for instance, mm-hmm. it's very Mexican heritage. Okay. All of the men in the relationships, almost all of them in the the bad side of the family was the men were abusive. Mm-hmm. That's how the men in that becomes like, you know, in psychology, it's a character trait that gets passed down. Yeah. Because the kids, especially if it's the males or if it's the women, mm-hmm. either one, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be men. It can be either one. Yeah. But because that that's what they grew up with, they understood that this is how you handle those scenarios. Yes. Whenever something is bothering me, I know that it is okay for me to hit you about it. Yeah. That's what they learn. And then they grow up with that attitude and they get in a relationship with somebody and that follows through. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that, like, you know what I mean? Of course, it takes a sense of, like, looking back and, like, hold on. Violence isn't okay. Mm -hmm. This isn't okay that I act like this. There has to be another way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I think there's there's a a large gap between people that are willing to say that they're wrong about things. And and I think people don't realize they have a choice. Yeah. Right. right? You, you learn what you live and then you live what you learn unless or until you choose to change it. Right. And I think a lot of people think their thoughts just, you know, they don't have control over their thoughts or their emotions, but they, it's just something that happens, right? Yeah. It's not something that I can control. Yeah. It's just that when you you say these things to me, you, I I get so mad and I just want to hit things. Yeah. That's the kind of, Okay. Yeah. Or even and then, the right, other opposite of that spectrum. Whenever you say these things, I just want to break down and cry and yeah. tell myself how unworthy I am. Tell myself Ugh, that I'm stupid or yep. all these things are wrong with me. How do we get past that? Yeah, it, it is. It really is to consciously decide or choose to look at it from mm-hmm. a place of love and compassion and do the work, you know, and, and give yourself some love. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that is the key, right? Choose the emotion you want to feel, right? And so if you want, you know, whatever you are lacking, um, right, the, the only way to get more of it is to be, you know, what you want yeah. instead. So if yeah, you want more thing. love, just be love. And here's the, here's the caveat, without requiring it in return. Okay. Right. If you want more um, support, support other people without requiring it back. Right. Just be, you know, what you want. So kind of like, and this is something that's pretty old, but I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. The, um, the old Bruce Lee quote, whenever he said, be water, be shapeless, 
empty your mind, be formless, be shapeless like water, and put that water into a cup. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. Put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. Yeah. If you put it in a teapot, it becomes a teapot. Now water can flow and it can crash, but be water. Yep. And he's like kind of saying, be adaptable to the situation. Understand. Is that kind of on the same page? Like whenever you're trying to be something like you have to effortlessly not overthink it, but just be it's a pure sense of serenity, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Mary Jo, we are running up on about an hour. I'm going to give you this next uh, minute or so to kind of share where you can be found, where your coachings can be purchased. Um everywhere once again where people can reach you um i've had a wonderful time talking with you i have another episode coming up like i schedule i really overbooked myself (laughs) that's what i did i I had i didn't think that you know reaching out to this many people would have got this much traction but i'm glad that it did because it's keeping me busy so go ahead and take this time to kind of share with the listeners any last messages or you know where you can be found okay sure so my last message would be you know, your emotions are everything. And so, and you get to choose your emotions. You get to choose your thoughts. Every thought you think is your choice. And because our thoughts influence our emotions, every emotion you feel is also your choice. I can be found at maryjovanhorn.com, M-A-R-Y-J-O-V-A-N-H-O-R-N.com. And I do want to just give a little gift. Um, if you go to maryjovanhorn.com forward slash gift 2019 forward slash gift 2019, all, a page will pop up. There's no opt-in required or anything. You'll come to a page that is 30 days of emo, or 30 days to emotional wellness. And it's just oh. every day there's just a little tip for you to think about or to do, right? That is going to bring you into a more positive emotional uh, sense of being. And so go to that page, bookmark it, come back every day for, for the next tip. Um, and, you know, that's just my gift to you. What? Who knew the melancholy condition could bring gifts? <laughs> it was amazing. Right. Mary Jo, it's been a pleasure to have you. I appreciate it so much for you come on and kind of share your experiences and your knowledge with my listeners. Um, hopefully maybe in the future we can have you back as the progress, the um, kind of everything progresses. Sure. Um, is there anything, other questions you want to ask me? No, I'm um, very grateful to, uh, to have shared this with you and, and your listeners, Darius. And I'm, um, I'm grateful for the work that you're putting out there and helping people to learn about and talk about their emotions. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. I can't believe this has already been an hour. I really, you know, whenever you're talking about something and you're enjoying the conversation, it seems like time goes by pretty quick. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Darius. Of course, Mary Jo, you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Hopefully you've had an amazing time listening to this podcast. If you could do me a huge favor... I have a few questions to ask. One, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm forward slash melancholy condition. There's a button on there that allows you to support just a dollar a month to help the future episodes of this uh, podcast progress. Secondly, whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on, do me a huge favor and just give it a rating. If you wanted to give a five star, 
great. If you wanted to give it a one star, even better. If you want to just go ahead and tell me everything that I'm doing wrong or everything that I'm doing right, I would absolutely love it. Just anything helps. And second, thirdly, if you have anybody that you'd like to send this podcast to, anybody that you think this episode particularly or any other episodes they may benefit from, do that and just share it with them. Thank you so much.